Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. Before we get started, a quick shout out to my patrons. Thanks so much for making this show possible. If you'd like to help support the show, consider joining my Patreon or tipping me on PayPal or Ko-fi, which I've just learned is supposed to rhyme with no fees. Pretty poor marketing on their part. Anyway, so check out PayPal or Ko-fi in my link tree, or you can buy something for your own game groups using some of my amazing affiliate links. Those are all found in my link tree as well. Another exciting update, I'll be on my first panel at a local convention next month. If you're local to Utah or you live in Idaho or Colorado or surrounding states and you are planning on going to SaltCon, then come check out Not Your Dad's D&D, which will be the panel's name on March 4th at 12 noon. So that's happening again at SaltCon. And if you're coming through and you haven't already, I'm also running a bunch of Adventures League games and a couple of other games. So if you want to sign up, I will include the link in my link tree and you can get signed up to play at my table and see how I do things. I'm not promising I'm an expert. You know that I am the one who interviews the people who are the experts, and I am purely a listener and a learner like you, the audience. But if you want to come play, it would be a ton of fun to meet you in person and to get to know you and to roll some dice together. Also, here's a reminder to check out Diversity Saves. If you'd like to help support diverse creators trying to get their first TTRPG products off the ground, it's a great place to start. Again, that link is in the link tree in the episode notes. And now onto this episode's guest intro. Quincy of Quincy's Tavern and Jason of Critical Dice are both amazing creators in their own right, but by teaming up, they've been able to extend their influence across the TTRPG space and do some amazing things. Biggest of all, and most recent of all, they're the architects of The Convergence, an immersive fantasy getaway happening in Evermore Park this May. Evermore happens to be down the road from my front door, so if you'd like to come hang out with a bunch of amazing creators, myself included, check out the episode notes for links to tickets and other information. The tickets to The Convergence are selling out quickly. They have tickets for one or two days. The VIP tickets are all sold out, so unfortunately you'll have to miss that boat. But if you want to come say hi, rub shoulders, and meet Quincy, meet Jason, meet a bunch of other awesome DMs, and see me there too, that would be a ton of fun. And again, that's coming to Evermore Park in Utah this May. A lot of stuff happening in Utah, people. This is the place for nerdy stuff, for fun gaming stuff. I don't want to brag, but there's a lot of cool stuff happening here. So anyway, that's about Convergence. Without further ado, let's hear from Jason and Quincy themselves. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Jason Russell from Critical Dice. You can find me at Critical Dice on Instagram and Heaven Help Us TikTok. And also the things that I create, sell, and distribute at thecriticaldice.com. Dice subscriptions, merch, and even chainmail leggings. <laughs> They're chainmail printed, but you get the idea. I first started playing D&D in 1989 because I'm the world's oldest man. Feels like it sometimes in this community, all you whippersnappers, you and your 2000s birthday dates. Middle school, gymnasium before school, and I was hooked. That was second edition, or no, maybe first. Second edition was high school, played all through college. My college roommate was our DM, and we would flit away the hours we should have been studying or sleeping playing D&D uh, and exploring the amazing system that was 2.0. But been a lifelong tabletop role player and D&D &D player and 
dip my toe in being a GM in college. Then, as I know, you know very well, Derek, just getting married, having kids. And so that had to go on the shelf for a while. And right about the time that fifth edition came out and Critical Role and Stranger Things, I got back into it really heavy. And now it's my whole personality. (laughs) Nice and succinct. (laughs) But yeah, so I'm playing for a very long time. I've taught my kids. I've taught numerous teenagers how to play and, and other students with some of the things that I do. And I honestly really love this community and love the creativity and the storytelling that gets to happen in games like D&D. Yeah, me too. And the good news is you're in good company. Anybody who's on the show or listening to the show also makes it their whole personality. So don't worry about <laughs> oh, that. Oh, good. <laughs> you oh, found man. our people, Jason. <laughs> yeah, you have. You place. have indeed. <laughs> it is very safe. Yes. Uh, Quincy, how about you? Hi, everybody. My name is Quincy. I do Quincy's Tavern on social media and everything. And for me, with D&D, I'm very new. I'm actually very new to the D&D community and just TTRPG in general. I was a very, like, I guess how Jason puts it, nerd adjacent of just like D&D adjacent for the longest time through college and everything. And I went to theater school and part of theater, obviously, as practices and, and things are improv games or on the fly, like how to stay in character, how to create a character on the spot and just kind of yes and other people on stage with you. And so as I was looking up different things to do that, I was a big fan of Geek and Sundry and their tabletop games show that they did. And on my recommendations would be Critical Role, the early Critical Role videos. And so I would watch that and watch compilations of what people put as like funny moments or just like really interesting things. And I'm like, what is this? Obviously, they're playing D&D. But the more I learned about it, I was like, this is literally improv with dice. They're just sitting down and they're acting with each other. And they're just yes anding everything with dice. And the dice literally just say if it, how far it goes. or It's like the director. And I'm like, that is so fascinating to me. I'm like, I like that. So like, I would just appreciate it from afar because no one that I knew around me knew how to play or really liked to, to be honest. It wasn't really until after creating Quincy and the whole TikTok persona and that type of content that I was reached out to by Kevin from Dice Cream Sandwich, who was like, hey, I'm putting together fantasy TikTokers or D&D TikTokers to play a game. I'm, I kind of want to do that on Twitch. I think it'd be kind of fun. And I'm like, sure, I have no idea how to play. I created a Quincy as a bar the first time through, did not know how to do spell slots, and <laughs> did the whole debunkle of like casting a spell and a cantrip as a bonus action kind of thing and trying to figure out how to work all that up. And to me, if I don't know how to play a game or like what I feel like I embarrass myself in a way of like playing the game improperly, I was like, never again will I do that. Like, never again will I feel ignorant about the situation that I'm putting myself into. So I kind of just like head first, deep end, dove into everything TTRPG, specifically D&D 5e, because that's all I was familiar with, and learned all the rules, like learned the connotations of like the somatic versus verbal versus the components that you can kind of need, like how like deep, deep end of like min-maxing your characters and what combinations can go together, et cetera, et cetera. I've probably since like early 2020, I think was my first one shot. And I've mostly only played one shots since then with one campaign that's on a bit of a hiatus right now, just because of scheduling, obviously with TikTokers and content creators schedules, not only are the bane of all D&D players, but um, especially if you work in a field where your time is literally money in a way. I love how you've reinforced the trope of theater kid to D&D nerd. <laughs> it is. It works so, many so well, though. It's a wide yes. path. It's it so good. It really does. It's yes. like, that's how I would try to get my friends to try to play. I'm like, it's literally theater, but you roll dice. And they're like, really? Isn't there like a lot of rules? I'm like, don't worry about the rules. Just sit down and here's your sheet. This is your character. Play that kind of thing. <laughs> I love and- you like shoving with a thousand pages of core rule books behind your back <laughs> while you say, no, it's fine. It's fine. 
Shh, don't worry about that. <laughs> What's a rage? Just do it. Just, just say you're yeah, going to rage. Okay, you're okay. Gonna go. <laughs> go yeah, I'll take care of the rest. Exactly. I love that you said the dice are the director, Quincy. I've never thought about it like that, but that's an incredible insight, and it has changed the way I kind of view the game. I've thought about the role the dice play, but I feel like that's the best way I've heard anybody put it into words, so mm-hmm. that's awesome. As far as running games, have you run games, Quincy? And if not, are you planning on giving it a try anytime soon? I've run a couple games, one offline, and my first one was actually streamed. It was several months ago where Jason was one of my players, and I ran a basic level one game where I used a module from Candlekeep. The first level? Yeah, yeah just, the, just the first little one. I like it because it was like all put together, it was all succinct, everything was there, and I'm like, it's more of a mystery, I don't have to worry about combat, and I'm like, okay, we'll just go into it, it'll be a bit more theater of the mind, but we ended up using the maps anyway, and nervous as heck, kind of just like, what do I do? But I could even feel myself like halfway through, just kind of get into the rhythm of feeling it out, and just like, okay, so this is what happened, I'm just going to roll with it. I know where they need to go next, but having the liberty to on the fly change things, having everyone literally be okay with that, I'm like, oh, that's kind of fun. So the next one that I ran was one that I wrote for what we're doing for Convergence. And I bullied some friends into playing. I'm like, hey, you want to play a one shot? This is what I'm going to be doing for Convergence. So I'm like, yeah, sure. And so we took about four hours to do that. And then afterwards, I was like, okay, roast it. What was wrong with it? <laughs> and they were very, very gracious about it. I've learned that I'm a very generous DM where I like to give handouts and I like to give power-ups, like overpowered power-ups to my players just to see what would happen and to let them play with it. Something that I came up with was this it was a fortune cookie that you roll a d20 and something literally wild happens. Like not something like a prestitation thing, but it could cause like an earthquake. Oh, jeez. Kind of like yeah. wild magic. That's yeah, the wild magic, magic yeah. fortune cookies. Yeah. yeah. It was very, very focused wild magic. It was a lot of fun just to see what would happen. I love being the game master and I like being in that position to be able to do that. I feel like for my brain that kind of like wants to focus on multiple different things at the same time, it just really appeals to that. I haven't had a lot of opportunities to do it much, but Definitely practicing and wanting to practice a lot more, especially for Convergence. Oh, I'm glad you're getting chances to play test that and really fine tune it because I know a lot of people are looking forward to it. That'll be fun. Jason, how about you? Do you remember the first time you ran games or do you kind of have a general memory? The two things that come to mind of probably about the same time was a sleepover with some high school friends after we had graduated to my friend's house and running just something because we had nothing else to do and it was terrible. And then running something for some roommates in college when my roommate GM went home for the weekend and I had made this whole thing based on an article from Dragon Magazine I used to love reading those. And I still have several of mine from the 90s where trying to describe what are basically like robotic ostriches, but not calling them robotic ostriches because I didn't want to break the meta filter and have them kind of figure out what the heck this thing was with metal skin and metallic veins. And that went pretty well, actually, because they were really confused. And that's probably due to my uh, bad descriptions. But I think that game in particular in the dorm was what really got me the bug of like wanting to write my own stories, not just the story of my own character, but create a world and let people play in it. So yeah, and then jumping back to when I got back into D&D, my kids were like eight and 10 and the perfect age because a friend of mine's son bought the starter kit for Christmas and he texted me. He was like, hey, nerd, you know how to play this? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. (laughs) He's a bigger nerd than I am. That's just not his fandom. He said, you want to come over a Saturday and run this? I was like, yeah, sure. 
And so I did, as I was prepping, my kids were like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm going to run a game for my friend Steve-O. And they're like, how does it work? And I was like, okay, well, here. I ran a game for them to see if they were old enough and just had coin flips for the dice because I didn't make them stats. And I forget which book it is, but it's that iconic cover with Moloch on the cover and like the red gem eyes on the burning brazier in his lap. I just set up that scenario. And there's also like lizard people in that scenario too. And I just created that for them and they beat the lizard folk and they got the gem. And I was like, all right, that's what we'll stop. They're like, wait, no, what happens next? And I was like, (laughs) you're invited to the barbecue. I mean, you can come to my friend's house and you can play too. And I think that just getting to see my kids love it so much really had me hooked. That's awesome. Yeah, like I said, I can't wait for my little ones to be old enough to share it with me. Right now, we're still playing dinosaurs on the floor and stuff, but mm-hmm. eventually we'll get there, you know. I'm showing them the grid. One more year, you just hand them a D20. You're like, hey, see <laughs> if the T-Rex can bite the Stegosaurus. And oh, they're like, he Whoa. finds them already. Uh-huh. Whenever I leave my stuff out after a game night, he'll like wake up and be like, Dad, you play with the dice, right? Like, yeah, I do. And he's like, well, when are your friends coming over again? Yeah, he loves it. So oh, that's awesome. He's already yeah. fixated on the dice. It won't be that hard of a sell, oh, I'm yeah. sure. They're so pretty. <laughs> they are. <laughs> the reason I started this show is because I love talking to DMs of all sorts of different experience levels and from all sorts of different places about their worst times running games behind the screen. So worst mistakes, worst like habits they formed that they've had to kind of teach themselves to break. And that's why the show is called How Not to DM. So I'd love to dig in a little bit into some experiences you've had or some stuff you've noticed you do in your games that you feel like are bad examples of how to run games and kind of the lessons you've learned from them. So yeah, we'll start with you, Jason. What are some examples from your past that you can think of of how not to DM? This, dear listener, is the part of the show where I get to put myself on blast. That's the point, yeah. Yeah, so as I think back to my earliest times and some of my failures, I think like a lot of people not being prepared enough or it's equal and opposite reaction of being overprepared and kind of railroady are the things that I have struggled, I think to a lesser degree these days. Quincy is one of my regular players. Might go, no, no, you're still bad at that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let him do that. He's a great DM. <laughs> Thanks, man. But that's the struggle been, especially in the past, harkening back to that one sleepover, I remember I just was like, yeah, I'll just make some of this as I go and just had nothing laid out. And just realizing that you don't have to have specific things planned, but you have to have the world in your head and know what's happening. And so when like the eye of the party turns to a new direction, you already know generally what's going on there. You don't have specifics, but you have a general good idea. And just kind of having those like 12% of an idea of what's going on over there in that Hamlet. And then over-preparing of just like getting so wrapped up in this opus that you're writing and it's pure genius and art. Isn't this amazing? And you're like, no, it's not. Listen, chill. You only... (laughs) Do part of the story, the rest of it is for the players. And you're there, as one of my friends a long time ago described it, ice skating backwards. The analogy that's helped me the most is my friend's Canadian, a huge hockey fan, and said, like, the best skater on the ice is the referee because he has to skate just as fast as the players and backwards. And he can't miss a single body check or slap shot or anything. And so he has to be the best skater out there. And so as a DM, I've tried to adopt that idea of just like, 
just be ready to roll with the punches, see what's going on, who's checking out, all those things, and find ways to really make the players feel successful and make them feel like they're the heroes that they're playing. And I know that for me, especially on TikTok, I have a reputation of like being the rules guy. I know all the rules. And I always say like, yeah, I know all the rules, but I'm not a rules is written kind of person. And I think especially in the last year or so, I've even become less where it's like, yeah, I know that's what the rule says. And yeah, I can change it, but I'm not going to change it just to change it. I'm going to change it because it's going to make a better story and make a better spotlight for this player and character because that's going to be a better experience for everyone and a better experience for the person. I wish I had learned that earlier, that your real goal is to tell a great story. And as a game master, you tell great stories by working with the other half of your storytelling team, which is the party, and being willing to metaphorically throw out pages of notes, because I don't write pages of notes, but in service to do that. And some people would be like, well, no, that's bowing down to the players or just letting them have a Mary Sue kind of adventure. But it's not that. This is a new way to challenge them, a new way for them to struggle, a new way for them to shine. It doesn't mean they'll succeed, but they will shine because success and shining and being really good at your character are two totally different things. It's like having a sword that makes you undefeatable, but that doesn't mean you can't die. Those are two different things. That's a fascinating analogy. Having played a little bit of hockey and played defender, I get that analogy perfectly. Skating backwards, keeping everything in front of you. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. That's fascinating. And I like that a lot. And you mentioned the rules part uh, about knowing all the rules. I feel like it's kind of like a cliche, but knowing all the rules means you know which ones you should break and why. I definitely err on that side myself as well. I'll often see this, especially in social media, people are like, well, here's my homebrew. And I'm all, that's actually an alternate rule that was available to us in the printed material. Did you not Okay. I mean, good for you. Like you thought of it independently, like calculus. Great. But I'm a big fan (laughs) of like knowing all this stuff Then I can build from there to what suits my needs and my temperament and thoughts and ideas. It doesn't mean that you can't be great at telling these collaborative stories without knowing the rules. I just think that it's a resource that's available that at least for me has been really invaluable. Totally. What about you, Quincy? You've run a few games here and there, and these memories may be a, a bit more fresh as you're trying to do your playtesting <laughs> and stuff. So what are some examples you can think of, mistakes you've made or stuff you would try to do differently if you could? Let me preface by saying this. I am a baby DM. I'm sitting with two experienced and wonderful DMs here. But for myself, I could probably talk to new DMs or, pe- or players, forever players, who are like, I want to try. Like, I don't know what to do, but I want to try. My biggest thing going into it was, and I caught myself really early on in that first session of trying to railroad, because I knew obviously the whole story that was written out of the Candlekeep Mystery, and I'm like, okay, I want them to experience this moment at this part of the story, but they have to get there, so I have to make them get there, because like it's going to be a great time for them, but they need to get through this one room, and they wouldn't do it, and I'm like, well, I could just make it happen now. It was one of those things, just like allowing your expectations of what you think should happen to flow with what the players are doing. It made it even more interesting. Like they were just exploring and having a good time. Then suddenly, and this bookshelf falls over and these books start swarming at you and they attack you. Roll for initiative. What? And it just kind of added that extra tension and pressure that just they weren't expecting. And I was like, well, I want them to have it and I want them to throw something at them. 
they didn't have to go through a particular room or say a particular thing or step on a puzzle block to make something happen. The moment felt right. I kind of just went with it a little bit, but also learning to, again, not railroad, because I know as a player, I don't like to be railroaded. So pretty much everything, like if you know what you like about Dungeons and Dragons and you as a player, what you enjoy, add that in when you DM. And it's not as complicated as you would think. Again, you don't need to know all the rules. Like I don't, because the players probably know half of what they should do. You know about half of what they can do. Somewhere about that, you like a great story. Failing forward is half the fun. And I think that if we as new DMs give ourselves more grace than what we aspire or compare ourselves to be, it'll be a much more enjoyable time and our players will have a great time. Because I asked my one players after the testing game and I was like, how was it? And they're like, did you have fun? Like, that's my biggest thing is like, did you have fun? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So that big check mark's done. Now let's get to the fine nitty gritty details of like how to improve. There's always ways to improve, but as long as you're truly enjoying it and you give your players moments to shine individually, I think it really resonates with them because they get that spotlight. And I feel like everyone wants that moment to shine a little bit. So that goes back to more of my stuff, just like letting everything happen for a reason. You're absolutely right, Quincy, that the barometer, like the test is, did you have fun? Like that's the goal. And so long as everyone's having fun, that's the point. And if they're not, then you adjust and you figure out what they like to do and you start mixing that in and give them their moment. Exactly. Yeah. It reminds me of what you said, Quincy, about did you have fun? Like that's the real metric. And there's this thing that I have been saying for maybe three years now, especially to brand new tables where I've never played with the people before, where I'll start with a little, almost like speech, like it's Independence Day or something, and say, the goal of this game is to have fun on both sides of the table. You have infinite choices to make, and I have infinite worlds to create. Mm. And we each need to use that infinity to make sure all of us at this table are having fun. And remember, I'm not the bad guy. I just run the bad guys. Let's have fun. And that has gone really, really well, because even if people are experienced players or even new, it resets the tone and resets the expectation of, oh yeah, we're having fun, but not at anyone else's expense. And fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of the games I play these days are streamed. And so we're also now aware of this third entity, which is the audience. And so you're like, okay, well, there's going to be shenanigans. It just happens. But also, too, maybe we should look behind that bookcase and see if there's a door there. And so (laughs) there becomes this beautiful tension of shenanigans plus moving the plot forward. It's not just the DM's responsibility. Yeah. I like that speech, Jason, and I'm going to steal that because I'm going to be running some games for a convention in March here in Utah. And I've run for a few new people, but usually I know them beforehand and have talked to them. Like I know them at least a little bit, but this will be my first time running for complete strangers. I've met like five minutes before. So I like that and I'm going to steal that. Nice. For the mid-roll bit today, it's just a quick shout out to the talented people at podcasteditors.online and videoeditors.online. Podcasteditors.online is the group that edits this podcast, and they do an awesome job, as you can hear. They also do actual play podcasts or any other kind of podcast that you may have. So take a look at their website, at their great rates, and see if you are interested in buying some editing hours a la carte. And if you tell them I sent you, you might get a little discount on your first couple of hours there of your podcast. So check that out. 
Videoeditors.online, also very useful if you are a YouTube creator, if you have any kind of video content, TikTok or Reels, short form YouTube shorts, they do it all. So go check out videoeditors.online if you're a video creator and you want to take advantage of that too. So same deal if you want to mention how not to DM sent you, I'm sure they'll hook you up with some discounted hours to start. So yeah, check those both out if you are a podcast or video creator or both. With all that out of the way, let's dive into this week's version of Quickfire Chaos. Chaos. This week on Quickfire Chaos, Jason, Quincy, and I are going to roll some D100s on some random tables from the internet to create a scenario to roleplay. I want Quincy to be the DM. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Quincy, you good with that? Okay. Let me get my D100. All right. If you're comfortable with it, yeah. So the first one is the voice. 92. Never confident in what they're saying, even if it's something they know for sure. I'm probably bleeding out, or the mayor's house may be down the road and to the left. So do okay. with that what you will. The next table is a trait. 81. Perfectionist. Well, that's going to be interesting. A propensity for being displeased with anything that is not perfect or does not meet extremely high standards. I mean, I can see how it works. The next one is their job. 40. Artisan. So I'll let you decide what your craft is. Last roll. 15. A little girl's lost a doll, which was stolen by some mischievous fae. <laughs> so you need us to go get this doll for some reason that you get to fill in the gaps for. I think I will play a dwarf with a big old axe on his back because that's easy. I was going to say dwarf too. I was going to say a dwarf wizard, like the hardy kind. So he like wears like chainmail under his robes because like that just feels comfortable to him because like, I don't know, dwarves are born in chainmail, I guess, yeah. or practically. Yeah. So I want to do a dwarf wizard who is a little bit sheltered, both metaphorically and literally, because this is like first like adventure. And I guess side. I'm the one who's kind of like the streetwise one showing you the ropes a little bit, but you're definitely the brains of the operation. You two, dwarven brethren, step outside off the road and you come up to the front of Quincy's Tavern. The door is open, you hear bustling and chattering on the inside, and in your hands you have the help wanted kind of poster, the help adventures needed poster. On the paper said to show up at Quincy's Tavern between dinner time and sundown to get your quest, and that you will go to the table in the far corner with the single individual sitting at the table. You walk through the tavern doors, and you're greeted by the bartender and many familiar faces, some unfamiliar to you, say hello and greetings, but you're on a mission, and you go to the table in the corner. In the corner, what you'll see is kind of a shorter figure, big hood covering their face and visage, but uh, you get the scent, the quick waft of just maybe vanilla or mm. like strawberries from this corner. You're not sure why, but this is a very short individual. You're presuming maybe halfling or possibly a fellow dwarf. But you walk up to the table, and what do you say? Uh, well, uh, it appears that this is the corner uh, booth that we're supposed to be sitting in. Um, so uh, do you mind if we sit here, friend? Who are you supposed to be? And you hear this like kind of high-pitched little voice of what you know to be is a child, like an actual child. And the hood goes back, and these blonde curls, very thick curls, bounce down from it and out from the cloak 
comes this probably seven or eight-year-old child dressed in bright pink, bright, bright pink. And you can definitely tell where now the vanilla and strawberry smell comes from. (laughs) And she looks at you with baby blue eyes and just gives both of you the weirdest stare. Like she's judging you from head to toe to that bulbous dwarvish nose. I'm going to stand up a little straighter when I see she's like eyeing us up and down, (laughs) trying to suck in the gut a little bit. (laughs) I look at her and look at you, Derek, and look back like, now, is it just me or... Is it real hard to gauge ages of non-dwarf races like and lineages? Because she seems mighty young to me. I mean, who are you supposed to be? Are you supposed to be the warriors and heroes for hire? Uh, hey, yeah, that's us, warriors and heroes for hire. You don't look like. And I kind of like elbow you a little bit, like stand up straight, act the part. Oh yeah, stand up straight and <laughs> kind of misread the cue and just like do press the digitation, like just sparks. You farted. No, that, that I don't know if you know much about dwarf physiology. It doesn't come out of our hands. Oh. I, uh, yeah. No, I mean, we're, we're here to help people who need helping. Uh, and we got the thing. I'll hold out the sheet of paper for her to, to see. Yeah. We're, we're supposed to be here. I promise. Hmm. I suppose you will do. Probably not. But you'll be fine. This is the very dangerous quest and she kind of stands up and she doesn't go up very tall and you can tell that she's like on tiptoes on her stool and barely makes like eye level with you even as dwarves definitely halfling a halfling child this is a very dangerous quest she says are you willing to brave the dangerous magic of the dark entities of the multiverse uh or 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 we could get like a couple like dozen uh, wolf pelts or There's something. There's no That's time! What, yeah. And she kind of just oh, freaks okay. out. She's like, my dolly's been stolen! It probably was last day, but I think it was this morning, but I'm not really sure. And it was just gone! And I need people to get it back for me. You are the ones who answered the call, and you must be the ones to bring my dolly back to me. Uh, I, I, yes, uh, uh, we're, the, we're the ones. We're ready for the job. We, we can, we've handled dangers. Dangers. Alrighty. Good. Good, 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 good. Have you checked under the bed? I... It was just gone! Oh, fair enough. You can kind of tell she's a little frazzled and she doesn't like all these questions, but at the same time, you get the sense that this is a power trip that might be going to her little blonde curls. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, So, do you take on the quest or not? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we yeah, we are prepared, think, Mrs. Right? To uh, to avenge uh, this wrongdoing and return your doll. That's right. Okay. And as you can see on the wanted poster, the payment will be made afterwards because I don't trust oh. adventurers, and you guys look oh. shady. Why? Uh, oh, that's not shade. That's just a little bit of coal dust we add on us. That's it's different. Uh, but uh, does does your doll have a name? Does she answer to something? Mm. How does it look like? It's a teddy bear. Its name is Teddy, or or, uh, does it have a different name? Why would you name a bear Teddy Bear Teddy? That's like naming a dwarf Dwarfy. That's just dumb. Dwarfy's actually my middle name, but uh, anyway. uh, That's (laughs) dumb. I carry on. I push my stuffed dwarf plushie and deeper in my bag named Dwarfy, just like, yeah, that's weird. He dresses just like me. He, he got a paint dress on? Of course he does. He's fashionable. Well, I hear it's very in this year. Now, has he got the ringlets and all as well? No, that's stupid. He's a bear. 
No, that's true. I mean, I've heard about things like uh, per, uh, per, uh, hairdos that are fancy with heat and curls. Never mind. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, can you point us in the right direction of where to go? I mean, um, do you have any uh, culprits in mind? Yeah. Uh, 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 and you can kind of see that she just like kind of looks around and is not sure about anything from this point now. Just like, uh, and you kind of see her eyes dart over and she looks at this other table who's minding their business completely has no idea what's going on and it's just an adventuring party who came in and they're just having a good time and they're just celebrating and she kind of looks at them looks back at you guys looks at them looks back at you guys and doesn't say anything else Uh, uh, well we could start with your house and then go on from there look for clues perhaps sure Okay. Can you get it back to me by bedtime? Uh, pull out my sundial. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it's about like 30 minutes till like <laughs> presume yeah. this child's bedtime would be. I pull out my sending stone, but I'm not getting network connection here. <laughs> you got two runes out of five. <laughs> two runes. It's like that old rune. It just says it translates to edge. <laughs> <laughs> I, we will do our very best, and, I, and if we can't get them back to you before bedtime, Barry, uh, uh, Bear, uh, we then we'll take a uh, half payment. That's of good. Lateness. Now, I what? think it was on the crossroads outside. Crossroads. Yes. All right. We'll start there. All right. Uh, Goodbye, adventurers. And you kind of see her whoosh around in her seat with her cape. And then she just kind of like hops down and you kind of see her little head above the table as she skitters away. But she's gone. She walks away. This is a great first job for you. I I think this is going to be very beneficial for you at learning the ropes, friend. Yeah. I look at my friend here and go, we're going to get paid in lollipops, aren't we? Yeah, probably. But, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. I I like lollipops. That's better than exposure. So... (laughs) I mean, yeah, at least it's tangible, unless they're made from, you know, uh, the elemental plane of dark. Never mind. Anyway, uh, let's go find this bear. All right, As let's you go. walk out the door, I'm going to presume your perception is just super high because she's obviously not very stealthy. But you can kind of hear her walk to that adventuring party she looked at. And you hear her be like, the mischievous fae will have two dwarves to eat tonight. Oh, jeez. And that's it. Okay. <laughs> Oh wow! Wow, she's running a scam! Wow, <laughs> wow! Okay. She was she was peeing on her foot and telling us it was raining for sure right there. And <laughs> <laughs> sing! <laughs> incredible, Quincy! Oh, incredible! So That's not the direction I would have taken it, but I'm so glad you did. That was perfect. That's so good. <laughs> Little girl with a power trip. She can command her first party of Avengers. <laughs> To go get eaten. Who knows what deals she's made? Jeez. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. She's been eight years old for a thousand years. <laughs> Very possible. Have you played Skyrim in the Dark Brotherhood? There's a vampire who's a little kid, right? Mm-hmm. Who's like been a little kid forever. Anyway, that's the immortal little kids. Yeah. Like, kind of skis me out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so just creepy. not right at all. No, <laughs> that was fun. Though. That was fun. Yeah, it was great. It was fun. You both did great. 
Let's dive in now to your work and your upcoming projects. So first of all, we'll start with Quincy. Um, Quincy's Tavern, it's been going since by my research 2019. It wasn't officially called Quincy's Tavern, but you were doing a TikTok of cleaning a glass to some Marvel sound yeah. and it has blossomed from there. Oh uh, my gosh, yes. Very wholesome and awesome content. So yeah, tell us where you got the idea and how did it morph into what it is today? Late 2019, I was working a job that was paying the bills, but not much else. It was something that where me being a super creative person, it didn't give me any freedom to kind of express myself that creatively. And I wanted to, again, doing theater, I was really big into special effects makeup, the theater makeup for the longest time, but kind of just didn't have an outlet to really express myself creatively. I downloaded TikTok because no one that I knew had it at the time and no one that I knew like knew much about it. I kind of knew it from its very cringe advertisements that they had for the longest time. It was weird, musically kind of up and down, left and right, shaking the camera very dramatically kind of videos that lasted like 10 seconds. And I'm like, mm, okay. And so I downloaded it off of a whim. I'm like, if I don't like it, I will delete it. I was at the point where the stigma was, it's just for kids, it's cringe. And I'm like, well, I want to make my own decision because what I was seeing at the time on Instagram was that fellow creators that I were mutualists would use TikTok to do their full-on character makeups and body paints and whatnot. And they would use TikTok to add to that content besides just taking photos, they would do the lip sync videos. And I'm like, it's kind of fascinating. So I downloaded it and just kind of messed around with it, did my own little thing. But I saw a lot of cosplayers really having a grand old time with it and people making their own OCs and putting their OCs in adventures and everything. And I'm like, okay, that kind of seems fun. Wipe away your inhibitions and embarrassment and just kind of go with it and just have a good time. And I was like, let's try it. So I'll make an OC, we'll name him Quincy. We'll put him in a set that doesn't move because a lot of these OC people would put the characters on adventures and they would be like walking and things like that. And like, you're in front of your closet. My immersion is broken. And I'm like, well, let's put this guy in a place that never moves and a setting that never changes, that you always see him at the same thing. So I was like, well, it's behind a bar that seems the most theatrically standard. We'll call it Quincy's Tavern. I don't like the name, but we'll stick with it. And uh, we'll go from there. And the first couple of videos comparatively to my other videos did much better. And just like with TikTok and it's kind of, for lack of a better term, rat training mentality of like you reward them for doing something and they'll do it again. I was like, okay, we'll do more Quincy's Tavern stuff. And that kind of started to evolve. I originally, I wanted Quincy's Tavern to be this, if you've seen Arcane, the show on Netflix, this Vanders-like character who's like this no-nonsense, like you threaten the bartender and then everyone in the bar kind of scooches up a little bit and pays attention to the people doing the threatening. I wanted him to kind of be like that type of a character, but I couldn't play that because that wasn't me. So I did a 180 and I made him a dork. So a lot of videos after that is just me literally in the heyday of TikTok with 15 second videos, lip syncing to cringe, whatever, and just having a good old time with it. It evolved after that to more of affirmation type stuff when you could do longer TikToks up to like 30 seconds and then up to a minute. And I was like, well, let's do original content, I guess. Let's maybe like talk to the camera as if it was a patron, just because I couldn't find anything at the time that I wanted to make a video of as a background sound. And that did also comparatively much better. And I was like, okay. So it just like progressively just evolved on its own through just like kind of was essentially me needing that creative outlet to then it becoming a place that people and myself really resonated with. My favorite thing is that it became a safe space and it became a safe space for me too. I kind of like to say that because of the timing of just the growth and everything, I was in a very fortuitous spot because when the world shut down in 2020, Quincy's Tavern essentially stayed open. And it became like where I could go through this character and be affirming 
not in a toxic positivity way of like, everything's going to be okay. You got this. It's going to be great. But like, yeah, it kind of sucks, but you've gotten through worse things and you're still here and you'll do it again kind of thing. It became something where if ever I needed to talk to myself about something, I was able to talk to myself through Quincy and it was able to be picked up by other people and it resonated with them as well. It's just a wonderful kind of like a circle that Quincy's Tavern is for me of that me in a way helping myself helps others who help me to help more. It's a not a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a perpetual. Like, yeah. I know what you're trying to say, but I can't think of it either. What is the word? Feedback loop, but yeah, good feedback. in the best way. I was going to ask you both if you thought that the pandemic had influenced people's being drawn to positive content and if you had seen spikes in your viewership during that time. So what you're saying kind of confirms that. But yeah, I think that people really did need stuff like that. They needed people to be there telling them, yeah, things aren't okay, but you're going to be okay. And we've mostly all made it through. So what about you, Jason? Um, Critical Dice, I know you do a lot of different things. You make dice. That's kind of the main business, but you make a lot of content and that kind of thing. I think I might be one of the rare few people. And this is going to sound, I don't know, maybe crass, but like I started on social media, one, reluctantly, and two, for the sake of business. But I've always had side hustles and things. I've owned a vending machine business. I've done web design, I've done a bunch of different things. And I was just like, well, I have this idea for a dice that I want to make. That'd be really easy to make where on the D20, instead of the one, it just says no. And I called them critical dice because these are dice that are critical of you. And (laughs) I put them up on Amazon, I think. And then I was like, all right, well, I want to support this with social media. But I hated how a lot of people did that, where it was just nonstop buy my stuff spam. And I was just like, no, I want to provide like relatable, actually useful content that has people coming back over and over to the stuff I'm making. And then occasionally I'll mention, oh yeah, and if you like my content, you can support me this way. So I started writing these game hooks and that's all because of my kids wanting to start playing. They wanted to play all the time because I created monsters in more ways than one. And I was like, I can either go broke buying all the books (laughs) or I can write my own stuff. And they want to play so much because they have no responsibilities that I'm going to run out of ideas. So I just started writing down these like two sentence story prompts, like a setup and a twist. And I started making those into game hooks. And there's almost 800 of them for free on my Instagram now after almost five years. And just had those available and people really, really liked them. And the Instagram account grew really, really fast. And I almost didn't join Instagram because I was putting them on Facebook for a little while and no one cared. And then my wife said, you should be on Instagram. And I was like, all right, listen, I'm not young. I'm not cute. I don't have a cat. Why would I be on Instagram? And she's like, no, you should be on Instagram. I was like, all right, fine. And it grew really, really fast. And then another friend, our friend Weston, Arcane Anthems was like, dude, why aren't you on TikTok yet? And I'm like, same answers because I'm not cute and I'm not 20. I don't have good hair like you, Weston. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All my good hair is below my nose. Like it's all down here. And he was like, no, seriously, dude, you got to come over. I'm like, all right, fine. And then I had to rethink game books don't work over here. So I make all new content and uh, just like, okay, well, how do I obey that same principle of how can I give useful, thoughtful information that is actually helpful to people? And then occasionally I'll talk about dice and things that I sell and kind of found a niche and it's continually evolving. And it took me like a year to 
got to really figure out what I wanted to be doing. And a lot of it happened by accident, as it always does, but mostly trying to figure out how to break the rules of D&D. <laughs> That's awesome. And I think when I first got into the hobby, your Instagram account was one of the first ones I followed because I was like, I want to start running games. So I need to like start thinking about adventure hooks. I feel like I've used a handful of them in different games. But yeah, I remember like following and being like, wow, there's so much inspiration I can get from these. And, and I think that's really, you struck a chord. Yeah, I've often been surprised. I've had people who I follow and I really admire who have told me when I got started, I used your game hooks and I'm all like, I'm glad to hear that. That's really nice. I'm not going to cry now. And I try not to extrapolate the math of like how many players have been exposed to my crazy ideas. And I'm like, that's a staggering number that I will not want to quantify. Thank you. But I'm just glad to like to help and to spur people on to making their tables. That's why I kind of always say that my real goal is to provide resources to help you have more fun around your gaming table. Weston uh, was actually on the show last year. It was a ton of fun to chat with him. I made a dorky TikTok video of like my own version, not of his songs, but I like saying rich girl, but I turned it to lich girl. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Like <laughs> that didn't really get that many views. Anyway, it is imitation because yes. it's flattery, right? <laughs> it's flattery, yes. Oh, and I actually use one of Weston's tracks to play like underneath when we're doing our role playing for Quickfire Chaos. So you'll oh, hear nice. that on the finished product too. I want to hear about how you two met then. <laughs> the convergence before the convergence. So how did you meet? How did you network? I defer to Jason because he says that I tell it wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying that it is inconsistent with my memories. <laughs> and being so aged, clearly my memory is impeccable. Wisened, yes. All right, I defer to Jason. Jason, you say what happened. Do your short version, Quince, and then I'll do mine. Jason came up to me while we went at Korean barbecue with a bunch of other content creators in 2021. Gen yeah, Con. two years ago. And uh, I didn't know him from Adam. I had no idea who he was because he did, never showed up on my For You page at all. And we just started talking. He knew my stuff and we just started talking about like how our content impacts other generations and how like he mentioned that my content, he appreciated because it was clean, it was good, and it was encouraging for his kids too, And which it is a huge compliment to me. It's like if I can make something that is something that can be shared through multiple generations as well as like it resonates with adults and children and people find that it's safe for their families, that's a huge compliment to me. So we started talking and then somehow in that conversation, it pivoted to where we started talking about business and about numbers and about like profit margins and things like that. And later on, he's like, let's talk. I run this subscription company and just kind of pitching this out there. Would you be interested in maybe doing a collaboration where we do like a Quincy's Tavern month, like a theme around Quincy's Tavern? I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Still don't know who you are, but I, yeah, I'm willing to hear you out. And so we had probably over that weekend, probably like two or three meetings multiple hour length conversations of what it was. And through that, I just got to know who he was and just a little bit more about things that were going on. And I was like, you know what? I'm here to meet people. I'm here to network. And who knows where Quincy's Tavern goes and who knows where this could be. So I was like, yeah, why not? Let's just see what happens. And I'm not going to say anything else because I want to, I don't want to. I have no, no notes. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Other than me asking some good questions in an awkward way. I have no additions to the story. And originally I was just like, he had some like wax seal stickers he was giving out to people who were like, oh, I love your content. Oh, thank you so much. Mm. Here you go. And I was like, oh, these would be great to put in the bag. And he was like, well, how many would you need? And I was like, a lot. And he was like, oh, okay. 
we started talking and then it turned into like March of last year being an all Quincy's Tavern bag, including the dice and a hand-drawn map of the tavern and a wax seal coin made of metal. And from there, it has spiraled wonderfully out of control. <laughs> but yeah, Quince, I got no notes, man. That's pretty much how it happened. Yeah. Kind of was one of those things where you approached me about a potential collaboration thing. And I was like, yeah, let's see what happens. And just through a conversation of just talking to him and getting to know the person rather than just the business kind of thing, I was like, okay, let's just see what how it is. And then through this collaboration of Quincy Tavern Dice Bag, everything that Jason wanted to do, or like if I pitched him an idea, he's like, yeah, I think we can try to make that happen. And it did happen. And I was like, okay, this is someone that I can trust. And this is someone that cares about not only his brand, but also people that he collaborates with and the artists that he pays to commission and everything. And it's like, it's always on top of that. I'm like, okay, after that was done, what are we doing next? And then it just kind of, what are we doing next? What are we doing next? And it just kind of stayed that way. Yeah. In our professional relationship, my official title is enabler. (laughs) But in a good way. I have a plaque here somewhere. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I don't have to cast Zone of Truth and determine which of you is telling the truth. So this is good. This has been a good session, you two. I think we're making a lot of progress. Making a lot of inroads, (laughs) a lot of progress. I see a lot of healing happening here. Someone's playing Song of Spiritual Rest. What I love about working with Quincy, just to kind of tag on to that, is that I've discovered that we both will like swing for the fences and the person who pitches the idea, the other person immediately goes, yeah, we could do that. But what about this and this? And then the person goes, oh, well, we could change it like this and this. And then the person goes, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. And then we do. And I didn't realize that was weird until friends of ours watched us do that for an idea. And they were like, that's it. And we're like, yeah, why? What? They're like, so you're just going to do that now? We're like, yeah, like there's not a committee. Like, we can just do it. And they're like, that's weird. That no one else does it like that. You know that, right? And we're like, no, we don't know that. Like, we're not going to hem and haw and worry and fret. We're make swings and we have good ways of doing it and good friends and resources. And we're just trying to try to make the best things that we can make that make us both happy. And I think hopefully delight and enrich the community. I love it. I'm glad that you're such a good match. So tell us about the convergence. What is it? What went into it from like the planning to the logistics and everything? And then tell us a little bit about how people can show up if they're interested. To Quincy's point, we often ask ourselves, what's next? And in March of last year, I called him while he had a layover at JFK, I think, and said, hey, I've got this idea. And he's like, really? Okay. And so what the idea was is, like Quincy said, the number one comment he gets in all his videos is this is my safe place or this is my happy place. And the second most common comment is when is the tavern going to be a real place I can visit? And so we partnered with Evermore Park in Pleasant Grove, Utah, just south of Salt Lake City. And for a few days in the first week of May this year, Quincy's Tavern will be a real place that you can visit. And we are taking over the park and the Lucky Griffin will be a place you can come and see a very familiar bartender behind the bar and fill with a cast of characters that have quests for you that all feed into the canon of the Lucky Griffin and all of the different head nods and, and factions and even things that have come up in the games that we play on stream and just letting people for just this very small window where the world shifts and the planes align and there's a convergence and people can visit this fantasy place until we can figure out how to make it a full-time thing all the time, which is a much bigger question. <laughs> yes, That's it a is. a five-year plan thing. Yes, it is. 
Yeah, the convergence was a total yes and thing. Jason calls me while I'm in the layover and he's like, what have you thought about working with Evermore Park? I'm like, well, I've talked to them. I know of them. I've never visited, but they wanted to work with me during the pandemic of like, hey, do you want to collaborate? We'd love to have you out here sometime. But it was one of those things where like, I never really got back to them. Also, the world was very unstable at the time. So probably was obviously better and safer that way anyway, but they were still open to it. And Jason and I both got tagged by multiple people from our communities who knew both of us of like, look at this. And Evermore Park was like, hey, if you have an event or you know, like you're a podcaster or something like that, or you want to use our facilities, let us know, hit us up. And Jason hit them up and was like, what if we did a Quincy's Tavern Day at Evermore Park? And to yes and that, I'm like, okay, well, what about this? And I'm sure people in the D&D community have heard something like D&D in a castle. And I had the wonderful opportunity to go out and experience that in England and to be with the Dungeon Masters there and just the luxurious experience that that was. But it is a very high price tag. It is a very high ticket item, not only for an American to get a plane ticket, but also to the lodging there and just the sundry items as that. I'm like, is there anything like that in America? Do things like that exist besides LARP weekends and kind of those done by celebrity DMs for an exorbitant amount of money for like a weekend. I'm like, besides that, is there something like that, but that's realistic that is maybe like a week-long event? And there wasn't. And I'm like, well, what if we did that at Evermore Park? To yes, and what Jason was saying. And he's like, let me get back to you. Talks to Evermore Park. They're like essentially down for it. And then we start brainstorming of like the schedule, what that would look like. And we rented out the park for a couple of days to kind of mimic that high ticket item event where you can play with these, I don't want to call them celebrity DMs, but I guess that's the way you could These notable and well-known DMs from Twitch and social media. Yeah, people that you've probably recognized, especially if you're deep into the d world. And so we established a way for people to come and meet these established DMs and to play and hang out and have a good time, but also within the backdrop of Evermore Park, which is in itself an established fantasy theme park, full with its own fantasy-style Victorian buildings and cast of characters and actors who are super talented in what they do. It was like, let's do D&D and also LARPing at the same time, let Evermore shine for what it is on the weekend and have a little bit of a private event for content creators as well as these guests of ours. So kind of like have our cake and eat it too, actually be able to get the best of both worlds. And Evermore was so down. Evermore was like, yes, let's do it. I think that'd be a good time. And the timing of putting it in the springtime just seemed to work out for a lot of us. It's also like gorgeous weather at that time in Utah. Like when we went to go visit last May, it was beautiful. There may have been like a couple raindrops in the early morning, but then by midday it was like clear and sunny and obviously the mountains in the background are gorgeous. They're still green at that time of year. Yes. Before they turn brown and die. Yeah. It'll be (laughs) really beautiful. I have a view of the mountains from my backyard, similar mountains. And yeah, so beautiful time of year to visit. The tavern is going to be in the park itself because they have a tavern in the park right. called like the Leaky Kettle or something that will become the Lucky Griffin for the event. So we're going to soft change it. We're going to put our sign up. We're going to redress it. We're not trying to completely change Evermore Park for a weekend, but we're going to be there. We're going to make kind of an event of like Quincy's Tavern is visiting Evermore Park for the weekend. Come check us out. And the tavern suddenly has our sign up and our banners and everything. And so our fingerprints will be all over it. And so Vander's Keep used to be a restaurant and now it's an event center. It's a really cool building regardless. So whoever's coming, we'll we'll get to see all that. Yeah. So it's the first week of May of this year. So in 111 days as of this recording, because I'm not counting. (laughs) No, no, of course not. Not at all. The big event on the weekend is May 5th and 6th. And Evermore Park is open from 6 in the afternoon until midnight. And uh, you build do. Yeah. From when we first did it. Yes. Extended hours. So they're opened up a little later for us. And 
all the stuff you expect from Evermore Park with the axe throwing and archery and the battle arena and the train, which I still am so amazed they have a train <laughs> and all the cast of characters in the buildings. We'll be doing a live Q&A with Quincy in the town square for about an hour each of those two nights. And then also, if you've been there before, you know Evermore has these different factions they put on display for the different seasons. And you can go on quests from these real-life NPCs and join a faction. And so all the factions will be the factions from the Lucky Griffin with kind of thematic quests for all of that. So you can join the Dragon Watch or the uh, faction from the Lucky Griffin or the others as well. And so it's going to be a really good time. And then the two days before that is the VIP event, which is sold out, where basically while the parks closed, we're putting D&D games with Dungeon Masters of Note all throughout those awesome buildings through the park for a relatively small number of people to play D&D with friends, new friends, and people whose uh, dungeon mastering skills are well known. So it's going to be a great time. And a lot of those same friends who are the DMs are sticking around for the weekend. One person even told me, I'll come only if I get to dress up in my armor and hang out for the weekend. And I'm like, yes, one-shot questers, you can do that. And as you know, Derek, there's so many creative and nerdy people in Utah. There is a disproportionate number of content creators that are in the Utah area or very close by. And so we'll have a lot of our friends coming by to hang out. And so if you just want to have a giant nerd party <laughs> and you love TTRPGs and you're on any kind of social media, this is the thing for you. And tickets are still available and they are really reasonably priced, I think. Yeah, they're not much more than normal price for admission, and you're getting all of this extra stuff. Like you said, you've got the live Q&A, you've got the specific Lucky Griffin quests, as well as being able to rub shoulders with all these really cool people too. So yeah, it's 50 bucks for either Friday or Saturday, and it's 80 bucks for both. Like you said, 6 to midnight. It's going to be a ton of fun. I'm going to definitely try to make it at least one, if not both days, pending uh, childcare and other responsibilities I have to take care of. But yeah, I'm really excited to see what you both have done. Thanks, man. We're excited to see it actually happen. The last question I love asking before we wrap up and kind of um, give our social media handles and stuff is your words of advice, wisdom, encouragement to people out there. Given both of your expertise, I'd love to hear some advice for DMs and GMs, one or two things that you can think of, and then also some advice for people who've thought about creating content or who are maybe stuck or just looking for some encouragement in making something they're interested in or excited about. We'll start with Quincy. I would say that if you are a new and aspiring DM or GM or you're thinking about doing content creation, one of the biggest things that I could say to you is realistically... Your content is not for everybody. And I think you should go in with that reality and that realization. I think being real with yourself and knowing that perfection is a lie. It is an unachievable <laughs> desire and golden egg that will sometimes rob you of you doing your best and enjoying what you're doing in the journey. Consistency is going to be your biggest friend, but also being true to yourself in terms of if you truly enjoy making that content. Don't force yourself to spend time doing something that you don't enjoy doing to please people who don't even know you. Yes. As long as you are truly enjoying the content you're creating, whether it's reviews or making tips or tricks or min-maxing advice or what have you, or throwing it back for the real ones, as long as you're truly enjoying it, people will resonate with that and people will see that. I never expected that wholesome or affirmation content in a fantasy tavern would do well. And it's not for everybody. Some people are like, I get secondhand embarrassment from it. I'm like, I understand. <laughs> I'm not offended by that. I'm not. It's just that content's not for you. And there's awesome other content that I could probably do or that other people do that I could defer you to. So realize that what you do is not for everybody. 
if you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. And to truly enjoy what you're doing, because if you're passionate about it, you will find people who are just as passionate, who are attracted to that aura that you provide. I get that same secondhand embarrassment comments whenever I do cosplay on my videos. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my biggest cosplay is a hat, glasses, and a beard. I completely agree with you. I mean, the two things I would say, Quincy, is on the content creation side, and you and I have talked about this publicly as well as privately, that it really is about you have to know your why, know why you are doing this, because if you don't start with that basic question, you will never be able to figure out if you have achieved what you set out to do. You'll never know if you can answer the question, am I successful? Because that is an open-ended question that has an assumed answer that is rarely the real answer. And so until you know why you're doing it, you will never be able to find your own personal success and you'll never be able to truly be happy or even flourish making the things that you make. So you have to start with why you do it. Are you doing this for fun? Are you doing this for encouragement? Are you doing this because you want to make a career out of it and you want to leave your unfulfilling job? All of those are fine whys, no problem. Or are you just so creative and you have no outlet, you're like climbing the walls? Then great, know why you're doing it. When it comes to people who run games, Pathfinder, Dungeons & Dragons, Monster of the Week, is this, is that if you are starting out being a GM, you can do it. I know you can, because if you can create a character for yourself to play, you can extrapolate that out to a few characters of the NPCs. Hundreds of thousands of people have done it before you. And my biggest recommendation is this, is play with people who love you because they will be honest and they will be gentle. If you don't have that option, play with complete strangers at a convention because this is how it works. They're strangers. They don't know you. It doesn't matter what they think. Or you're playing with friends. They know you. So it's fine. It's going to be okay. You can do it. Amazing. Thank you so much, both of you, for your words of advice. I know they resonate with me, and I hope they resonate with some people out there listening as well who've been thinking about it or who have been feeling down or just looking for um, a reason to keep doing what they love. So much appreciated. To wrap things up, where can everybody find you? And then other than the convergence, what upcoming projects do you have that you want to share The biggest thing we have coming up is the first week of May, The Convergence. You can find information and tickets at theconvergence.events online. And the one-day and two-day tickets for the big event on the weekend are still available. And we'd love to see you there in uh, just outside Salt Lake City in Utah in May. Come by the tavern and maybe get a glass of cider or hot chocolate. You can find more about the stuff that I'm doing at thecriticaldice.com or at criticaldice on Instagram and for some reason, TikTok. (laughs) And Quincy, how about you? You can find me at Quincy's Tavern on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, as well as Quincy LK on YouTube and TikTok. Every Friday, I've taken the plunge to do my own podcast, the Quincy's Tavern podcast that's also available on Spotify and YouTube through video vlogs, which has been so much fun and it's been a blast. But I guess after Convergence, the big thing that I got going on is the cookbook. Quincy's Tavern official cookbook is currently in the final stages of editing right now. It's going to be moving to formatting here soon. From my last count, there was 74 recipes. So over 70 recipes, give or take. And every recipe essentially for the most part, has some kind of story to go with it or some kind of short lore that expands the world of Quincy's Tavern. So to my community and people who've been waiting ever so patiently, it is very close. 
I was originally hoping to have the Kickstarter going at the beginning of February, but just with timing and just with just scheduling and everything, logistically, I think more time is necessary and needed. So we're kind of looking at possibly doing it after Convergence. That way we can focus on one big project and then kind of shift gears on the second one. But yeah, so that's just kind of just some of the things that I got going on. You guys, you are not ready. This book is so good. I am an avid cooker and baker and trier of new recipes, so I cannot wait either. I'm really excited to try them. I love baking stuff and making stuff for my D&D party when I can, like when I've got some extra time and we make some treats when we're all coming together. So I have a feeling there will be a few really good ones in That's there That's kind of that. what the idea was, very tavern-like kind of home-cooked type meals that are good for a party or your D&D group and everything. Apart from that, you'll probably see us at Gen Con this year. If you head to Indianapolis, Indiana, we'll be there. I think we'll try to have a booth and whatnot. Awesome. Thanks so much, both of you, for joining me. I'm really excited for Convergence, excited for the cookbook, excited for all of the other stuff that you have coming up. Appreciate you taking the time to chat with me, share some wisdom about running games and about content creation. And really excited to see what you both come up with in the future that none of us know just yet, but is surely on the horizon. I'm so excited. Thanks for having us, Derek. It's been an honor. Thanks for taking your time to have us here. Thank you for listening to How Not to DM. Now it's time for a sneak peek into next week's guest, Kaya, game designer, LARPer, and cast member of Twice Bitten, a landmark Curse of Strahd actual play podcast. Don't worry about anybody's opinion of what you're doing except your players. Do what your table enjoys. Don't compare yourself to other DMs out there, celebrity or not. This sounds like the sort of thing that is, you know, easy to say and really hard to do. But I also want to add, don't just follow the advice of any and every how to DM better article you find out there because those article writers try very hard to make their advice applicable to all tables, but they're not going to be able to succeed. You know, it is perfectly fine for you to read a very well thought out article and think to yourself, this person really knows what they're talking about. They have all the math to back it up. I'm just going to ignore all of it and focus on what my players like. To hear more of Kaya's advice for running games, how she got into designing her own TTRPGs, and more, tune in next week. Quick reminder here to check out Diversity Saves if you've got a second, to see what they're all about, and to find a way to support them if you can. Here's a friendly reminder to rate and review the show and share it with friends and family who play TTRPGs too. New reviews will be read at the end of episodes as a thank you. Thanks to the team at T4C Studios for the help editing and producing this episode. My intro and outro music is by Daniel Zombo. The Quickfire Chaos music is by Exacat, and the Quickfire Chaos mood music that plays underneath while we're roleplaying is by my buddy Arcane Anthems. Check out the episode notes for more of their great work. And, as always, until next time, roll some Nat 20s for me.